our time. Good morning, church. So good to be together this morning. It's a really an exciting time uh, in the life of our faith family here at Riverside. If it's your first time here today, let me just extend my welcome and say, we're so glad you're here. And I hope you'll find what so many of us have found, that Riverside really is a place uh, you can call home. Uh, we are far, far from perfect. Uh, but we try to love each other. And in fact, that's what we're talking about right now is how can we even love each other better. But it is an exciting time. Uh, tonight, I hope you will come back uh, for the senior celebration. What a great time to honor these seniors. You've raised so many of these uh, up from the time. I mean, you saw them, you taught them in class, you've been on mission trips and retreats. And so what a great time for us to honor them and send them off and love them tonight uh, as a part of the senior celebration. And then tomorrow, uh, you may know, you may have been getting emails about the, uh, uh, the first responders lunch. And so uh, we're excited about that, a way to serve our community and to love on some people in our community who Quite frankly, it's, it's kind of a thankless job sometimes. And so you may have been getting emails or, or getting word from people like uh, Dana Workman and uh, Carolyn uh, McBride and uh, Lisa Gould. You can see any of them if you have questions. Uh, but we're excited tomorrow about that opportunity. Just a lot of great things are going on. And it's a really neat time uh, to, be, to be here and to be a part of the Riverside family. So I want to ask you this question as we begin. Is there anything, and give this a little bit of thought, is there anything more, more valuable than your time? Is there anything of more value than your time? We are in a series, this is week two of our series on the five love languages. If you missed last week, I would love for you to go back and watch online or listen on your podcast, your device, whatever you want to do, uh, to, uh, to that first message as we talked about words of affirmation. Today we're going to talk uh, a little bit about what it means to, to, to speak the love language of quality time. Now, if you haven't already, I want to encourage you to go online and to take the five love language uh, profile assessment. The link should be on the screen behind me. Super easy, super quick. Do it when you get home today. And and kind of see what your love language is. But out of curiosity, do any of you speak the love language? Do you know this? Of quality time? Do we have any quality time people here? Good. We've decided to extend the message today for about a couple of hours. So get comfortable. Just because we love you. And I'm kidding. Uh, I am not. That is not my love language. So we will not be here that long. Uh, no, we, uh, we're going to talk about quality time a little bit today. And I think it's important for us to think about how this love language works. Uh, this past week in our family, it was kind of an exciting time. Uh, because some of you know my daughter Emma, uh, who's down here, uh, is a kindergartner. And uh, in kindergarten, apparently uh, this week, uh, they had, uh, you'll see on the screen, um, eggs in their classroom, like real chicken eggs. And they had them in an incubator under a heat lamp. Some of you, maybe you've done this before, you've seen this, or maybe you live on a farm and, and this is every day for you, but not for us and our family. And every day Emma would come home and we would get the report about what's happening with the eggs. And the report was, they're still eggs. But this is 2017, so just to have a picture of eggs wasn't enough. Her teacher, who is an amazing teacher, we love her, decided to live stream this event. And so every day when, when Emma got home, we got to put up the live stream of these eggs. And no lie, this was on our main TV in our living room, and we're all sitting around watching eggs. Um, talk about spending quality time together. It's like watching water boil. That may not be the best example. Uh, it's like watching paint dry, right? It's just like we're sitting there watching this and nothing's happening until something did happen. Like a few days later, a you know, chick broke through, chick number one, whatever his name was, we'll call it brownie, broke through and it was exciting because now all of a sudden chicks are walking around and we go to bed that night and there's just excitement building like, will any more hatch overnight? The next morning we wake up, open the live stream, the camera has been knocked over. Oh, the drama. Uh, it's laying sideways and all you can see are little legs parking, you know, walking around and, and it's just so, this is so exciting, I'm telling you, you know? 
We had some real quality time together watching these, this live stream of these eggs. It was just so much fun. You know, uh, quality time. You know, we live in a world, I think, that has never been more obsessed with time, with productivity, with getting more done in less time, right? All of us have all these productivity apps and all these devices that are supposed to save us time. We, we have our calendars and our days are scheduled out and I live by the calendar on my watch that tells me what's happening next so I don't forget it. Every minute of every day of our lives, at least of my life and our family, is scheduled out. If you have kids, then you have all the activities that come with them after school. They didn't tell you that back when you were trying to have kids, but then you have them and now your life revolves around their life because, you know, it's, it's, they've got things and it's important and you love it and they love it. It's all good. You know, but we're consumed. We have no time. And we try to, as best we can, make the most of the time we have. And you would think, I mean, this is just logic to me, and maybe I'm crazy. But, you know, it makes sense to me on one level that with all the time-saving apps and devices we have, that we should actually have more time. I mean, that just, just seems logical to me, that, that if we have these devices and these ways to make things, you know, happen faster and get more done with less time, that we should, in effect, have more time for friends and families. Like, we should all be working four-hour days, right? <laughs> and get to go home and spend the rest of that time with the people that we love the most. But what happens? I'll tell you what happens to me, is I get home, and that same, you know, those time-saving apps and those devices, they're still dinging, beeping, and buzzing. And what happens is that the time that I do have with my family and with my friends and with people I want to spend with is constantly interrupt, interrupted, you know? Uh, when's the last time that you had any any uninterrupted time with another person for any length of time, right? To give someone or to have someone's undivided, uninterrupted attention, it's almost impossible. And if you have it, oh, it means so, so much. But here's the thing. Just think about this. The people that, that you probably love most, the people you probably feel the most loved by, are probably the people that you have spent the most unproductive time with over time, right? Now, I know those two words, unproductive time. Some of you, it was like fingernails on a chalkboard because you are efficient with everything you do. But think about it. Those friends from when you were a kid or when you were in college, your spouse, your family, you know, the people that, 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 that really mean the most to you are probably the people that, for whatever reason, throughout your life, you've spent the most unproductive time with, the most uninterrupted time with, the most, the most time where, where for whatever reason there was occasion and you've, you've had the most downtime with them. And because of that quality time, there is there's a feeling of love that exists. And that, that's the primary reason, because of the amount of time you've had to spend with somebody. Well, I told you, quality time is not per se, my, my love language. It, it may be last on my list, but that's not the point. Uh, we're not here to talk about me today. Uh, but I want to invite someone up on the stage every week to help us understand these love languages better. So I've invited Carol Polly, if she's in the room, I saw her earlier, to come. And here she is. And to, uh, to, to help us understand a little bit more about quality time and how this works out for her, how this makes her feel loved, and how this affects her relationship with people and also with God. So Carol, thank you for joining me on stage today. Last week, they clapped for Ryan. I'm just um, putting that out there. <laughs> oh, hey, here we go. We're getting better at that. Uh, so, um, yeah, I just wanted to spend a few minutes talking with you about quality time because this is your primary love language, right? It was when it, I took the test. It was when you took the test. <laughs> was that a surprise to you? Not really. Not no, really? No. So help us understand how 
this love language of quality time, how, how this makes you feel love and experience love? How does that work? Well, when people take the time to spend with you and that's been done intentionally and they've, they've created that space, uh, that makes you feel cared for. It makes you feel important and special to them. Um, it helps you feel welcomed hmm. and, and worthy of their time. And, and you feel loved. I, I often tell young parents that the way their kids spell love is T-I-M-E. Mm-hmm. And it does for adults, too. Yeah. And um, that is just a real pure form of generosity mm-hmm. uh, on their part when people do that. So whether that's a few hours or a, a few minutes, whether it's a, a road trip, mm-hmm. um it's important, whether it's conversation or whether it's an activity. You, you feel loved. I love thinking about our time in terms of generosity. That's, mm-hmm. that's, a, that's an interesting way to think about our time. Can you think of a time recently, a story maybe, where you had someone's undivided attention or you spent quality time with someone and it really did make you feel appreciated and valued and loved? I do. I have lots of examples of that. Um, but probably where that happens more often is, is in my marriage. Mm-hmm. And that's where a lot of those examples come through. I think uh, John has become fluent in that <laughs> after 30-something years of marriage. and so it uh, took him 30 years to figure it, it out? That's what right. you're saying? Right. Okay, not, not quite. But, um, <laughs> and he's also learned that not only spending quality time with me, but also he supports that in me doing that with other people. Yeah. Um, but just a couple examples in the last couple of weeks is, uh, you know, we went to a Mavericks game one night and we rode the train down to the American Mm. Airlines Center. We ate beforehand and we just had good conversation and we just enjoyed being together and we didn't solve any world problems during that time, but, um, it, it was meaningful and and it, it was a memory. We, we made a wonderful memory that I'll always remember that, that night. That's awesome. One of the things that I've been thinking through as we talk about love languages is not just how we feel love from people, but maybe how these love languages help us understand how we experience the love of God. I asked you to think about that earlier. Did Mm -hmm. that resonate with you at all in terms of how you you interact with God, how you maybe your quiet time, or maybe how you experience the love of God in terms of quality time? How does that work? It was it's challenging, and it mm. did make me think. Um, but but when we spend time alone with God, mm. uh, first of all, I, I just thought about the intrinsic value that mm. that comes from that time of being with Him. Mm. And when you make Him the object of your love and of your affection, um, you can't help but walk in freedom and joy when you come away from from that time and listening to Him. And, and making the time for that. Yeah, that's awesome, man. Well, thank you, Carol. Thank you for coming up and doing that and sharing your thoughts with us. Thank, thank you. Can we say thank you? There we go. <laughs> you can put that down. Quality time. I think it's one of those things, like in today's world, that when you take time for people and when you give them your undivided attention, it, it's, it, it just speaks love in a whole different way. And I thought a lot about it this week. How do, we, how do we honor God with our time? And how do we use our time in such a way that it communicates the love of God, not just to God, but to others? 
There's a story I want us to look at in the life of Jesus. It's in Mark 5. So if you have your Bible, you can open that up. Or if you have an app, you can open up the Bible app and, and flip over to Mark chapter 5. We'll start in verse 1. There, there's a moment in the life of Jesus where Jesus takes time for someone that you may not think he would take time for. But that's not even the point of the story that I want to get to. I want you to see what happens as the story unfolds. Because I think there's a powerful truth here. Well, what's really interesting, just really from the get-go, is that in the gospel of Mark is really... It's like the life of Jesus on fast forward. Mark is always in a hurry moving from scene to scene and story to story. So for Mark to stop here and to take some 20 verses, almost the entire chapter, to really dive into one moment, one instance, one story with Jesus and one person is really remarkable. But then for Jesus, who was also always on the move in his life and ministry, to spend time in this way really is remarkable to me. But I want you to look at Mark chapter 5 and verse 1 and hear the story that Mark tells us about the life of Jesus. He says, So they arrived, this is Jesus and his disciples, at the other side of the lake in the region of the Gerasenes. And when Jesus climbed out of the boat, there was a man that was possessed by an evil spirit who came out from the tombs to meet him. This man had lived in the burial caves and could no longer be restrained, even with a chain. Whenever he was put into chains and shackles, as he often was, He snapped the chains from his wrist and smashed the shackles. No one was strong enough to subdue him. Day and night he wandered among the burial caves and in the hills, howling and cutting himself with sharp stones. When Jesus was still some distance away, the man saw him and ran to meet him and then bowed before him. With a shriek, he screamed. Why are you interfering with me, Jesus, son of the most high God? For Jesus had already said to the spirit, come out of the man, you evil spirit. Then Jesus demanded, what's your name? Now, before you go any further, I want you to just push pause and think. Think about this man that no one had time for. And if they took time to approach him, it was only to bind him. And Jesus takes time for this man who just honestly no one else would take time for. There's two things I want us to think about before we even move any further. And this is it. it. First, think about this. If Jesus, if Jesus took time for someone like this, should you and I maybe think about freeing up some time in our schedule to take time for people too? I know you think you're busy, but is there anyone in the room who who has more to do than Jesus had to do. Is there anyone in the room who wants to say, I'm busier than Jesus was? Jesus had three years from the time he began his ministry to the time he faced the cross to get out the message about the unconditional love of God. He had three years to change the world. He had three years to take 12 disciples and turn them into the kind of people who would revolutionize history as we know it. He had three years to do all of this, to set up the kingdom, to say the kingdom of God is near and the kingdom of God is now. And in three years' time, he did all that. But even with all that going on, and even without all the technology that you and I have at our disposal. He had time for this man. If Jesus took time for people, could we allow our lives to be interrupted maybe and take time for people in need too? The second is this, and this is, this is where some of us need to lean in. Because some of you think that either because of what you've done or maybe like this man because of what has been done to you, that Jesus wouldn't want to take time for you. And I want the story, this isn't the point, but I want to just take a moment and point this out. 
that if for any reason you believe that lie, let this story speak to you this morning and remind you that there's nothing you could ever do and there's nothing that could ever be done to you that would make God love you less. And that if you think for a moment that Jesus wouldn't want to waste time with you, you couldn't be more wrong. That he loves you. And it's often when we feel like we're the furthest from God or if we feel the least valuable or the least lovable that Jesus loves us most. Here's what the man said. He said, my name is Legion because there are many of us inside this man. This sounds like a scene from a movie. Then the evil spirits begged him, begged Jesus again and again, not to send them to some distant place. There happened to be a large herd of pigs feeding on the hillside nearby. Send us into those pigs, the spirits begged. Let us enter them. So Jesus gave them permission. The evil spirits came out of the man and entered the pigs, and the entire herd of about 2,000 pigs plunged down the steep hillside into the lake and drowned in the water. The herdsmen fled to the nearby town, surrounding the countryside, spreading the news as they ran. People rushed out to see what had happened. A crowd soon gathered around Jesus, and they saw the man who had been possessed by the legion of demons. He he was sitting there, fully clothed, perfectly sane. And they were all afraid. Then those who had seen what happened told the others about the demon-possessed man and the pigs. And the crowd pleaded with Jesus to go away and to leave them alone. And Jesus, as he was getting into the boat, the man who had been demon-possessed begged to go with him. But Jesus said, what do you think Jesus is going to say right here? Jesus said, what's he going to say right here? If you've been tracking the story of Jesus, if you've been seeing what he's been doing throughout the different places, he's been calling people to come after him and do different things. There's probably, you probably know, or you probably think you know what Jesus is going to say. You might think Jesus is going to say something like this. Hey, I've just killed you of this demon possession, so here's what I need you to do. I need you, I need you to write a best-selling book telling everyone this story, this experience that you've had. I need you to build a, a social media platform, get your email list going, maybe develop a blog. I don't know. Get the word out. Spread the news. I need you to get busy telling everyone what I did here today, what God did here today, how he changed your life. I need you. I need you to get to work. I need you to get busy. In fact, I'm going to put you in charge of my ministry for healing people of demonic possession. You know, that's going to be your department. And so it's going to be really busy, but you need to do this. That's what you might think Jesus would say. That's what we would say, right? You've experienced something amazing, a radical life change. I want you on all the morning talk shows tomorrow. Let's tell the world about this amazing experience you've had. That's probably not what you're thinking. What you're probably thinking is this, because this has happened. You're probably thinking Jesus is going to look this guy right in the eye and say, come follow me, right? Those are the three magic words. Jesus has already said them 12 times. This guy seems like the perfect candidate to come and be his next disciple. Are you kidding me? Going from town to town, this guy wasn't some tax collector. This guy wasn't, you know, wasn't some fisherman. This guy had a radical life change experience. I mean, he was this way and now like a second later, he's this way. Why would he not be called by Jesus to come follow him? That's not what Jesus said either. In fact, if you look, you'll see what Jesus said. What did he say? I love these words. He said, he said Go, no, no. A- actually, you can't, you can't come follow me. You can't come with me. No. Go home. Go home to your family and tell them everything the Lord has done for you. 
And tell them, tell them how merciful he has been. In other words, because I've taken time to be with you, because your life has been completely and radically transformed and changed by the power and the love of God, go home to those people who love you most. You've missed too many birthdays. You missed too many anniversaries. You missed too many festivals and feasts and and everyone that loves you has been looking for you, but they knew that they couldn't do anything for you because of your condition. But all that's changed. Go home. I want you to stay. I want you to stay here, and I want you to go and spend time with the people that love you most. And as you do that, talk about, tell them, share with them what God has done for you. So the man started off to visit the ten towns of that region. And he began to proclaim the great things Jesus had done for him. And everyone was amazed at what he told them. Jesus didn't say, come follow me. He didn't say, get busy, get to work. He said, stay. Go home. I want you to be with the people in your life that means so much. And I want you to tell them what the Lord has done for you. And I want us just to think about that just for a moment today. Sometimes the call of Jesus is to go, absolutely. But sometimes the call of Jesus is to stay. And I want to ask you, what what has Jesus done in your life? What has Jesus done in your life? If you're like me, you have a story to tell. All of us have a story to tell because at one point our life was going one way, but because of Jesus, it's now going this way. And some of us have dramatic, radical stories, maybe not this extreme, but some of us have some pretty crazy stories of how our life was going one way. Then because of Jesus, it's now going a different way, a better way, the right way, right? But all of us have that story Some of you, you grew up knowing Jesus. You've never not known Jesus. You were born on, you know, Saturday and you were at church on Sunday. Some of you have that experience. But if you met Jesus, and if you've met Jesus, then your life has radically changed. In fact, if your life isn't different because of Jesus, then you may not have really met Jesus, right? Because you can't meet Jesus and stay the same. When you meet Jesus, everything changes. That's just a fact. When you meet Jesus, literally everything changes. So what has changed for you? What's changed for you? And what do you do? What do you do with that? I think Jesus might say to you and me, if he was here today, these words. Because of what I've done for you, because you've experienced the unconditional love of God in your life, why don't you go home to your family and tell them everything the Lord has done for you and how merciful he's been. I got a crazy idea. Try this. If you want to freak the people out at lunch today, after you get your order in, the waiter, waiter or waitress has left, whatever, I want you to look around the table and say, hey, hey let's talk, but before we do, I'm going to take my phone. I'll lift it over there. But if you had it, I'm going to turn it like off. Not airplane mode. Not, not on silent. I'm going to turn it off. And for the next 30, 45 minutes, an hour, whatever we got while we eat, I just want to give you my undivided attention. 
Now, that's a crazy idea. Some of you are like, I would never do that. <laughs> it's impossible, right? We, can't, we, would like, we would start shaking with withdrawals, right? But I'll tell you this. This is powerful. This is what I think Jesus is saying right here in this moment. Go home. Be with the people. Be with who you're with when you're with them. And talk about what the Lord has done. Why did he say that? I think it's a really simple truth. And it's one of the ways that we all experience love. It may be your, your top love language. It may be your bottom love language. But we all, we all know this love language. We all speak this love language because of this. Quality time over time in a world full and filled with distractions. It speaks love louder than words. Jesus, before he ever spoke to this man about the love of God, demonstrated the love of God just by being present with him for a moment. And you and I, when we are present with people, when we give people our undivided, uninterrupted attention, when, when we, and again, this is a crazy idea, but when we just spend unproductive time with people just to be present with them, that speaks love louder than words. And I think this is one of the things that makes us different as people who follow Jesus. This is one of the ways that we live different. It, it, it's how we, as, as people of the way, of people who call ourselves Christians, people who follow Christ, it's how we're different. Like Jesus, we try to be present. Present with people. You know what this is like. This happened to me, it's been a little while back, but it happened, where I was outside with my kids playing in the yard, and I'm on my phone checking it, and finally one of my kids looked at me and said, Dad, would you put down your phone and look at me? Ugh! <laughs> right? You ever heard those words from your kids, parents, mom, dad? Or what's worse, when your spouse says those words to you, honey, would you put down the phone and look at me? Right? It's terrible, you know? Because we know it's true. Like to communicate love, to really communicate love to another person, nothing speaks louder than giving someone your undivided, uninterrupted attention. And this is what Jesus was so good at. He was so good. So good at taking time. Taking time for people. So here's what I want you to do. I got, I got one thing for you to try this week. Spend, you can set the time. But spend. Spend some uninterrupted time with someone. Give someone, for, for whatever time frame you set, your undivided attention. If you're really brave and you want to turn off your phone, you get extra credit. <laughs> I'm telling you, you're going to communicate love louder than... You can, you can say the words, I love you, all day long, but if you don't give someone your time, those words carry no weight. Give someone your undivided attention, just like Jesus. And I guarantee you, you'll be communicating the love of Christ in a language you've never maybe even spoken before. Church, let's, let's stand. I've heard it said, I think it's true. No one on their deathbed ever said, I wish I would have worked more, you know. No one on their deathbed is, is, is checking, you know, one last voicemail before they die. They're not trying to send one last email. They're just not. But they will say things like, I wish I would have spent more time with him, with her, with them. There's something to it. I've heard this said too, and, and, and I live by this that I want the people that know me best to respect me most. And for that to happen, I have to give people my time. And by the way, by the way, if you want to experience the love of God in a new way, 
I would encourage you to do this too. To spend some unproductive time with God. It sounds counterintuitive, but maybe the most productive thing you can do for your spiritual life is to spend unproductive time with God. To just be in his presence with no expectation of that time just to be with him. Just to literally be in the light of his presence. Today, if you need to experience his presence, I want you to know, Grace said earlier, man, this is a praying church. I'm going to invite our shepherds and their wives to to make their way around the room. And if you want to pray with someone, they would love to pray with you. I would love to pray with you. I know sometimes we do feel far from God and we need someone to usher us into the presence of God. And that's that's what these men and women want to do. And it's all because, it's all because of Jesus. So this week, what I want to encourage us to do is to experience, to experience this kind of love. The love that comes from being with people and the love that comes from being with God. To give ourselves away to others and to give ourselves away completely to God. Let's sing.